We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Laura, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Mother Birth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. episode, which is the very first guest interview we'll be airing on Mother Birth, is an exciting one. You'll hear the story of a young woman who got pregnant in high school and gave that baby up for adoption. Later, just last year, she had another baby, and she shares with us the story of redemption and healing that led to this point. She's had the unique experience of being able to develop a relationship with the son she gave up for adoption, And we talk a lot about the experience of processing the trauma of her adolescent birth experience and what it's like to be a mom now. We think you'll really enjoy this episode. Hi, listeners. It's Laura uh, from Mother Birth. I've got Melissa here, too. And I'm really excited about talking today because I have one of my dearest friends here, um, Becca Overby. Um, Becca and I met. She was the first person I met from Portland, Oregon when I moved here. And we were roommates in college. And I've stayed really close friends, and she's a mom. And I wanted to have her on the show today to talk about her different birth experiences and what her transition to new motherhood has been like, because she has a very young baby at home. Yes, I do. (laughs) Becca, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Becca. I'm friends with Laura and (laughs) Melissa now. We all live out in southeast Portland. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah. Do you not want people to have that info? No, that's fine. No. People, Sorry. <laughs> people know where we live. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, I love to be a mom. I love being a mom. And I've been a mom for a long time, but in a different different capacity than being a new mom to a newborn. And I'm just loving life. It's different. New season. How old is your little guy? He is five months on Saturday. Nice. You are keeping very good track of that. <laughs> hey. When you only have one, it's like, keep close. Close tabs. Well, we're definitely excited to explore what your journey of motherhood has been, including some of the details of just when you became a mother and what that has looked like. Um, So we'll we'll get into that good stuff. Yeah. I met Becca, like I said, in college and kind of had the privilege of meeting her on the end of a very big life experience. Yeah. When I went to Multnomah, I was fresh 18. Maybe. Were we 18? We were yeah, 18. We just, we, our, our birthdays are one, one day, day apart. <laughs> God bless the earth within a 24-hour period. <laughs> yeah. So I was fresh off of uh, the birth of my first son. Um, I had him when I was 17. And that was quite an experience. So going to Multnomah, I think I was just really raw off of that. Yeah. It was probably just like six months after his birth. So, yeah, it was my first big thing post having a baby as a teenager (laughs) so yeah and getting pregnant as a teenager was a surprise I assume very much I um yeah I grew up just for a little background in a very conservative Christian family and really love I had a very idyllic childhood and I have two amazing parents and three amazing siblings and we kind of had your quintessential life. And I was very sheltered, went into public school and kind of took it by storm. I did everything, student government, musicals, all, I don't know, anything and everything you could do, I I did. Um, And I started dating an older guy when I was a freshman. And things just got you know, as they do in high school. And I didn't have a lot of education about birth control or anything coming from where I, you know, my childhood experience. And I think it wasn't on my parents' radar at all to even explore. Check in even, with you. Yeah, yeah, even to explore that. And I would say that they just had no clue. I mean, no offense, mom and dad, if you listen to this. But <laughs> <laughs> I just think I was just doing what I wanted to do, but also performing well in school and all the other things. So there was no concern. Yeah, so when I it? yeah, so when I got pregnant, it was like, like out of a movie. Like, you look at that pink, you know, this pink line. It's like you're pregnant, and I was with my boyfriend at the time when we found out, 
And I just remember like this wave of feeling like my life is over. Hmm. Like my life is over because I just had so many plans of what I was going to do and who I would become. And yeah, it did not involve that. So yeah, I don't know. It was very shocking. Yeah. What were, how did you initially process like how you would tell your family? What kind of options were you considering? Mm -hmm. So, well, we kept it, my boyfriend and I kept it between us for a while and my mom had had three miscarriages before she had my oldest sister. So even at that time, I knew about those experiences and wondered if that would happen. And kind of, I mean, if I'm totally honest, I would say I was looking for an, an easy way out. And mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say that now in retrospect, but I feel like that would have been a relief. So mm-hmm. I was kind of just waiting, waiting to see if that would happen. Yeah. Um I had one friend who I told, and I think I felt safe with her because I knew she was sexually active with her boyfriend in high school, too. So I just shared with her, and she offered to drive me to a clinic right away. And I think for me, even from day one, I can honestly say that other than just that tension of, will I miscarry? Will I, will I go to term? I never, never considered abortion for myself. And I, I know that a lot of that has to do with how I was raised, but also just a deep conviction of feeling that it was real life in there. And and it wasn't, and it was my fault. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't that child's fault by any means. So yeah. So, okay. So that all, you know, three months and you know, that was the end of my sophomore year of high school. Wow. And the older that I get, I'm 31 now, the more I'm like, why was I sexual at 16? Like it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's just humbling. Anyway, did you have something to say? <laughs> I was just going to say, too, I think that until you are, until it is you making that decision, I think no one knows how personal that decision is. And I know that, you know, your background definitely influenced you. But I think what you said is true. It's what what felt like the right decision to mm-hmm. you. Totally. And mm-hmm. it didn't ever cross your mind because it wasn't made for you to, for it to cross your mind. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, you know, I, I believe that and knowing you and I believe that as part of your story. Yeah. Yeah kind of knew yeah yeah anyway even though you were a sophomore in high school yeah I just you know and I just feel like as I look back I'm just like how could I be 16 and make that choice so so I guess to you know move forward I waited for a while and then it was right after my 17th birthday and it was a morning that I was supposed to go in and have an x-ray for some issues I've been having with my stomach. Anyway, and I just went up to my parents' room and sat down and I said to them, I'm about to tell you something that's going to change our family forever. And, you know, my whole life you've told me that you'll love me no matter what. And I'm about to cash in on that. Gosh. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I mean, it's still so emotional because I just think that that there's two moments in my life that were the hardest moments and that telling them and just that disappointment that I knew that I was bringing was just so heavy because... I think I was so used to just being this perfect child and I did mm-hmm. not know what to do with a personal failure or how to, and it was so big. It just seemed so big. And so my mom, she just kind of, I don't know, as you would, I mean, you would be devastated if your teenage daughter was facing that. Um, but I just remember my dad just coming over and he put his arms around me and just said, Becca, we love you. And like nothing that you could do whatever stop that. And so let's, you know, let's face this together and you're not alone. And I would say that the key thing for me was in telling my parents the burden of carrying the weight of what was happening. Mm -hmm. I just, it was like a release and like, yeah. And I think there's just so much truth to that in general, like even after, so even after I had my son in sharing the story and even now in this type of setting, it's like every time you share, like a little more healing happens. And even that was 14 years ago, but Mm-hmm. Even each time, it's like a little bit is lifted of the weight. And so that was the first time I experienced that. And it was really beautiful. So yeah. and my relationship with my parents has really never been the same. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> you know, regardless of people's philosophical or, you know, religious backgrounds or beliefs, it's it's a pretty overwhelming experience to experience a teenage pregnancy and for parents to react to 
yeah. you know, their With daughter. With so much grace. Yeah. It's, totally. It's unusual in the best of circumstances. So Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And so by the time I told them, I had already – and, you know, this is true to my personality of just always having a plan and always knowing what I'm going to do, controlling a situation before it happens. And anyway, so I found myself in a situation that was very out of control. So the best thing I could do is put a plan together. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I said, this is what I want to do, Mom and Dad. I – I feel very strongly that I want to have this baby and that I want to give this baby to, to a family that needs a baby. <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot of people, a common question is, did your parents make you do this? You know, mm-hmm. being a teenager and them having this conservative evangelical background, um, did they make you give your baby away? And were they ashamed of you? And like, didn't, and I 100% know that was not, not the case. I think my decision was in many ways a huge grief to them because it was their first grandchild and yeah. you just can't negate like there was no no piece of it that felt forced and every piece of it felt supported hmm. so yeah so i you know i was going into my junior year of high school so it's the summer between and i decided to t- to just do my junior and senior year just smash it all together and I tested out of classes and I ended up getting my high school diploma while I was still pregnant. So by the time he was born, um, I was done with school so that I wouldn't have to go back to school yeah. after having a baby when, you know, my high school friends, their biggest issue was what dress they were going to wear to prom. And I was like, I'm giving my baby away. So it was just, <laughs> I just couldn't really relate to people well anymore, um, <laughs> my own age. So yeah. So that was kind of the decision and the process I went through. Mm -hmm. And then the finding of the family is a whole nother piece. So the process of finding the right family um, was interesting. I think as word gets out, there's so many people that want babies. And, you know, even in my own family now, my sister has has struggled. And it's just I think I understand it differently now, even on this older end of it. But... Yeah, uh, there was a lot of people that approached us and were like, we'd love to be considered. Mm -hmm. And so actually, I never actually had to go through an agency or I think people imagine it a certain way, like you're going to look through a book of pictures of people. Um, But the way that it happened for me was people that I already knew in my life, distant enough to where I wouldn't see them all the time, but they knew my family and they knew me and they cared about me as a person. Um, They came to me, and one thing that was important was to find a family that already had a sibling because I Mm. love my siblings and really wanted my child to have that element. So they came to me. They already had a baby that by the time my son was born would be 11 months old. So they're, you know, 11 months apart. But, um, yeah, they came to me and just said, we were told we'd never have a baby. Our first baby is a miracle. Um, We would love for you to consider us as you know for this baby and, and it was immediate like it was wasn't like this big lengthy is this the right thing do I need to find mm-hmm. more people to look at like no and I think the, the source of that though is just more that his mom this woman just loved me and wasn't mm-hmm. trying to get something from me and I think when women are desperate for a baby they'll do anything yeah and they'll say anything but I knew that because they cared about me as a person that I wouldn't be thrown to the wayside once the baby came. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, she journeyed the whole thing with me well. We did all the birthing classes together. We named him um, together. In fact, his name is Levi, which means joined. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It's it's a u- very unique relationship to yeah be you know this teenager and I couldn't do it like I couldn't be his mom I wanted to but I wasn't ready and I and I just am so grateful for this woman who came and just has loved my child as her own and it's hard to explain but yeah it's very unique camaraderie so Mm -hmm. special relationship for sure yeah so we're preparing for birth I remember the tension of never wanting to give birth because I knew he would be gone from me. Mm-hmm. But also just so badly wanting life to be normal again. Mm-hmm. And that 
I don't know. It was just, just a, I don't know, a yo-yo of emotions. And yeah, so I went into labor and did not know my body well enough to really know. I don't know if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's because I was so young and I was so, the trauma of what was about to happen, I just knew. And so my, it's like my body was like tight. I don't yeah. like resistant to the birth because, mm-hmm. because of that tension. And yeah, I don't know. I um, was sent home. Like I, my mom, I just remember it's so weird just having your mom, like you're this teenager at home laboring. It's weird. Like now I don't that know. you think about it. Totally. Yeah. And looking back, it's just really not like MTV sixteen and pregnant. It's really not quite like that. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So you're laboring, your mom, you know, my mom's driving me to and from the hospital because they sent me home like three times because I wasn't moving fast enough. And anyway, I think I know more now. I'm just way obviously way yeah. more informed and and how I would want to labor. And I just don't think I thought through it very much because it was more just this is gonna happen and this is going to happen. You just got to do it. And it wasn't, it was less prepared. Mm-hmm. I think we were all prepared more for the emotional side of it rather than the physical. Mm-hmm. Like we'd prepped so much. I'd done counseling. The baby and like, was, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the build up to it wasn't really thought through as well. But and it sounds like you had taken childbirth classes. And we did. Prepared on some level. Mm-hmm. I think, I think what you mentioned is really, really key that because of you know, what you knew this birth would require and and the transition that it would mean that you did resist it. And that's not an uncommon experience at all when there's any kind of trauma or, you know, assumed trauma involved. Yeah, totally. Well, and I did feel, I don't know. Yeah. So finally they admitted me and we, that's when we called his, you know, adopted parents and they came to the hospital and I I had his mom in the room with me and my mom and we had you know a midwife a team of people but I can honestly say that so much of it is a blur and I really feel like it was so traumatic that I just kind of blocked it mm-hmm. and I know that's weird I mean it's as this being a blo- like a, a thing about birth I just I cannot really grasp on anything super tangible except that my birth plan was not well read through. And one of the specific things was when he's born, take him from the room, you know, move him into the next room. Mm -hmm. And then his, you know, adopted dad could come in and do all that, all the things, the weighing, the, uh, the bath, all those things. Um, But they didn't, they weren't, they just didn't look at it or something. So, you know, he was born and you hear that baby crying and you want that baby on you. And I just remember just screaming, like, take him out. Mm. And it was just all like so unnatural. Yeah, just devastating. And, um, you know, they, they finally did. And I don't remember, like, the passing of the placenta. I just don't remember. Like, I'm just laying there, like, withered, kind of. Mm-hmm. And so my mom was there. His parents went home for the night. No, they didn't stay at the hospital or anything. And uh, my son was in the nursery because they weren't sure if I should see him. I think there was a lot of fear that I wouldn't follow through. Mm-hmm. My mom just really wanted to protect, like, the decision I'd made in a calm state. Because a lot of girls, like, they get their hands on that baby and they can't follow through. And there's no judgment on my end at all. Like, I get that. So I went to bed and they, I was heavily sedated because I was so upset. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was crying in my sleep. And... I can't, I don't know who this nurse was. I don't know. I can't think, I don't know who she is, but um, she came in and she pulled my mom outside the door and just said, you need to bring that, that baby in there. Mm -hmm. And my mom said, I just don't know if I can. I don't know if she can do it. And she just said, no, like that baby needs to be close to his mother. And so they did. And he slept next to me the whole night and... All I can say is that I woke up with, like, 
complete resolve to do the best by him. Hmm. And it didn't hold me back. It only propelled me to do the best thing I could do for him. So hmm. I woke up. And we, I just, again, it's kind of a blur, but, you know, we had an attorney come. We signed everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I left without a baby. And I, I know that people experience that in different ways and on different levels. But for me, it was like a choice that I made. And I was the one who had to carry that. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, I just... One of the most vivid things I say, one of the hardest things was telling my parents and the second hardest moment of my life. Um, but one that was very well thought through was that I needed to leave first mm-hmm. so it didn't feel like they were taking him from me. Like yeah. I needed to get up out of that chair, out of that bed and walk out and like face the decision I was making. And um, I could hardly, it was like, you know, like when you're walking the gauntlet and like everybody, I don't know. <laughs> Just so interesting, like nurses, like I'm trying to paint a picture, but they just were coming out of their the hospital different rooms and standing up at their stations, and um, mm-hmm. everyone's just weeping, and my mom and dad are just carrying me out. So, and then we went home and started to pick up the pieces. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you got that night with him. Oh, me too. Yeah. He um, slept in this blanket that um, some elderly ladies in th- that this church, I don't even know, but I just know that some elderly ladies made these blankets for babies that were stillborn for their moms to take home. And so that night, he slept in this um, blanket they made, and um, I took it home, and Laura knows I, I slept with it for a long time. But... The coolest thing is that when uh, my son Jones was born, he came home in that same blanket. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No. I just, uh, no. Sometimes I can talk about it and just be like, so chill, but. It's okay. No, okay. It's, a, it's such a powerful story. Mm-hmm. Well, it's even cooler, though. So all that to be said, um, all that happened, and I went home, and he was born. February 3rd, and I just was in a blur for a lot of months, but I started to just try to move forward, and and I, you know, his parents were so gracious to me and sent me photos all the time and would often communicate through my parents because they knew them, and whenever I wanted to know, they would tell me. Mm. What I wanted to know, they would tell me, so... But I can't really describe um, – it's it's different than a death of a child because with a death of a child, it is – there's not a piece of you somewhere else doing life. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's hard to explain that. But um, there was no finality and there's so much anxiety. So I think my new thing was I just thought about him constantly. Yeah. Like, what is he doing? What is he – like, is he teething now? Like, I would, like, look up, like, what were the developmental stages and – I don't know. So it was just a lot of like, yeah. I mean, Laura knows. Like, she was my roommate during that early season, and it was just a lot of anxiety. And I tried to laugh it off, and I tried to be normal. Really hard to be normal, but I don't know. I just never felt it. Yeah. Well, like you were saying, even during high school, but I'm sure that you felt this way during college as well, that you're just kind of dealing with something totally different than your peers are oh you know your peers are dealing with like how their new roommate situation is going or like if you know mom and dad are sending enough money to you know totally cover the extras (laughs) and and how like they're adjusting to you know to college life and you're dealing with this entirely different level of emotional weight and I think too you know something you'd said earlier is just it was so, you know, it was so different for you. The trauma was so intense. And, and the loss of the time and the loss of the details is just telling of, of just what that really is like on the inside and how much work you had to do in the sense of finding yourself again. And I feel like hmm. getting to know you and see you do that work over time was such a, was such a gift. 
because you know you had said like well it's not like you know i know you have this podcast about birth this is this is what birth is like for people for all kinds of reasons Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. there are people who have a very similar story to you and there are people who have what people would think would be a perfect story like met someone who fell in love we made we made a baby and that's their story that when they look back at their birth it was traumatic they don't remember anything they don't connect with it and all they felt when the baby came out was like anything from i wish you weren't here or I'm not ready for this or mm-hmm. did I make a big mistake? And mm-hmm. I think what then can, you know, whether that that story ends with a baby that you take home or not, you carry these things with you. And I think watching you really kind of own that and deal with that and you know, over whatever period of time you needed to yeah. is, is so much of who you are and so much of the person that I love and so much of the person that is here and the person who will continue to share and inspire people. But it also really, if you know, for me as your friend, really affected me watching you to get to have that opportunity again. Mm-hmm. Because I think before you became pregnant with Levi, you were born to be a mother and you know that about yourself. You've always loved taking care of children. You've always felt very called to that kind of role. So to make the decision to let someone else mother your first baby and then to move forward as that person, I think that, you know, watching you kind of approach that second mothering experience for me was I mean redemptive doesn't even describe it I think that that's like mm-hmm. too small of a word to describe mm-hmm. watching your journey to to in becoming Jones's mom and you know something you said you know they were really the adoptive parents were really open with you you know I know you have a special situation that they've it's continued unique, yeah. continued to be open with you um with Levi and that yeah. he is in your in your life mm-hmm which is such a special thing. And if you want to share about that, you can. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of years of gap and I just, those were Valley, just really low years. I just, and I couldn't see him. I think they were always very open to me having access to him. Uh, Not in the sense of like, I was very uh, clear that, you know, his mom is his mom. I mean, I birthed him and in my heart, I'm his mom. But, like, I gave him to this other mom. And the last thing I would want is for him to have this person coming around Mm -hmm. and try to explain. Like, I mean, for me, I just didn't want my kid to be confused about who his mom is in this, you know, in this lifetime. Who is your mom? This woman that I chose to be your mom. And I, you know, my youngest sister is adopted. So I think I understand it on a a level that's different. Adoption as a whole, just, it's kind of just a... Part just of a, a huge piece of our family and so for me it wasn't this foreign thing and I also know that like this like telling a four-year-old this is your birth mom and this is your adoptive mom process that like that's he's not ready so I think one of the things was just releasing the control to them over when that would happen when he was ready and when he was asking so the thing I know the way she approached it was always you know I would you know Anytime he asked a question, she would give him the appropriate level of answer for that age. So he always has known he's adopted. He hasn't always known that it's me. But mm-hmm. I would come out there and visit. You know, So by the time he was like seven, I was able to go out and hang out at their family farm and like engage. And I was just this friend of his mom's who would mm-hmm. come out. And it wasn't weird. I know it sounds a little weird. But um, yeah, it was never deceitful or anything. It was more just... So much, it brought me so much peace to see him in his element. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it's hard to explain, but it was just kind of magical to come back into his life in this other context. And I just, it's hard to explain, but I know, and I know it sounds not real, but we would just look, lock eyes and like, I just knew like, mm-hmm. it was weird. Um, I just knew that he it was, this, the connection was always there. And so anyway, by the time he was 10, he just was going to bed one night and he flat out just asked his mom, like, who's my birth mom? Like, who is it? What's her name? And, you know, his mom just said, well, it's Becca, my friend Becca. That's so crazy. And his response was, oh, my gosh. Well, that doesn't change anything then. Like, meaning, oh, that's not weird. She's not weird. This is not weird. Like, yeah. And I just love that about our story is that it's so organically become 
a relationship now where he's turning 14 in a couple weeks, which is mind blowing <laughs> because he's old and going through puberty. Um, but <laughs> it's so weird. But he knows who I am and like knows our whole family. So the day that that happened, the next night, my parents and I went out there to their house and sat down. And I was just able, after a decade, I mean, to look him in the face and say, I have prayed for you every day of your life. I've loved you from the moment, from the moment. Like, and you will never wonder where you come from. And your parents love you. And you now have this whole other family who isn't trying to, I don't know, move, like force our way in. Disrupt. Totally. We're just here for you, like in every season of your life. We're just here and we love you. And it was just this magical redemptive thing and so even if I had never had Jones and had this birthing redemptive experience Mm -hmm. I have fully experienced this beautiful relationship now that I have with my son and he's he's amazing (laughs) so and and I think a really beautiful piece of that is that Obviously, that you've had the somewhat unusual and rare experience of being able to have that access to yes. him. Yes, it's not not that, typical. That's not typical. But but even beyond that, you yourself have chosen to like engage emotionally and do the work over the years of being of like of going deep into that and processing that, and and that transforms who, like who you become and who you totally. are. Totally. And I want him to look at me and to be proud of that I'm his mom. Yeah. Like I think so many, I mean, I see the struggle in kids that are adopted and they just don't know where they've come from. And when they do find out, it's so disappointing and not mm-hmm. in a sense of like, I felt pressured to be this incredible person. Cause I'm very, I don't know. I'm pretty average. My life is very average. However, <laughs> but I want him to look at me and know that I'm a kind person who loves people who, I don't know. I want him to be proud that his birth mom is me. And yeah. I think he is. So I think he yeah. is too. <laughs> Laura's met him. I mean, you met him when he was really little, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, so many women that have an experience like that, they process it by just disengaging, package, just yeah. completely disengaging, packaging it emotionally, you know, regardless of whether they would ever have the opportunity to form any kind of relationship with that child, just like in, in terms of your experience of it, just you know, putting it in a box and leaving it where it was. And I think that you, that you do yourself such a disservice, especially if you do have children in the future. I mean, Mm -hmm. your ability to, to have your, the birth of Jones be a redemptive experience is so much a part of who you are and, and so much a part of your story now. Well, and I'd say if I hadn't processed that first experience, it would not have been. No, my second birth would not have been, I think it would have triggered things and I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. And I think because historically adoption is so secretive and so I just there's so much shame involved mm-hmm. and there's secrecy and and it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's why I, I think it's important to share my experience, not to say it was not the, the most painful thing mm-hmm. in my life, in my experience, it was the most painful thing. But because you can come up out of that, like you go through painful yes, things and you come up out of it. And then you can help people go through painful things and come up out of it. And yeah. that's, that is what is so beautiful about it. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So you fast forward. Are we? Yeah. We can look forward and talk a little bit more. So like Becca mentioned earlier, she's a five month old little boy who mm-hmm. is chubby and smiley and happy and perfect. <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I wanted to ask you a little bit, just thinking, you know, you kind of just touched on this, but. Okay, you find out you're pregnant now. Now you're married and you're 30, so totally different. <laughs> but old. <laughs> not, not old. Not old. <laughs> Babies. I hope not. Um, so, you know, now you have this to share with your husband, but then also you share with your parents and mm-hmm. <laughs> was that how was that the second time around? Okay. Well, man, I I just have to share it. Like, so the first time I found out I was pregnant, it was like the worst news of my life. Well, uh, Seth and I got married and got pregnant very quickly. It was a surprise. And I found out on Christmas morning. And I just, I mean, I would just have to say, I'd have to share it because it was like, 
I kind of knew it could be. And so I'd had a test and I was like, I woke up at three in the morning on Christmas morning of 2015 and just knew. And I took the test and it showed two pink lines and I just sat on the toilet and wept because it was the happiest news of my life Mm -hmm. so far. And I just didn't think I would have it. You know, Mm -hmm. there are lots, there's so many elements, but I just had reached a point where in my life I had been through many years of coming to terms with perhaps never having another child. And then I'd given my only child that I would birth away. And that was hard. So all that to be said, full circle, I waited three more hours, took another test at 6 a.m., and it was also positive. <laughs> and I woke Seth up, and he's all groggy, and I said, well, a Merry Christmas, Overby. We're pregnant. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where he just we, we just weren't trying, and so it was very shocking. Yeah. So I gave him his uh, you know, PlayStation 2, and the, you know, he <laughs> received that well. And, um, but the cool – so the cool thing of the whole, the whole thing was – we decided to just tell my parents that day and a lot of people wait, but I think I just, I couldn't hold it in and it was Christmas day. So all of our family was all together. We could tell everyone at the same time. Yeah. And it was just, I can't, I mean, I sent a video to Laura of my dad when he found out and man. Yeah. Your family has been such a big part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just beautiful. So Pregnant, so pregnant, so pregnant. <laughs> Very different being pregnant as a teenager and being pregnant in your 30s. Let's, mm-hmm. You know, it's just very interesting to have a baby kind of on the earliest end you could have a baby. And, yeah, it was a lot easier physically. The, the, the second time? <laughs> no, no, the first, first time. time. Oh, the first time. Yeah, there's there's a, difference. a reason. Like, there's a that, difference between mm, the 20s and the 30s. Mm, like, Try I, 17. I mean, that's like your prime. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Playing volleyball. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I still felt buoyant by the end. I mean, it was just, yeah. You guys saw me try to get up those stairs just now. <laughs> I was you. like, bless you. Running and playing tennis when I was pregnant with Aiden. I told him that tonight. He's like, he's like, you're really slow. I'm like, I, I, it's, it, I can't help it. I know. I, it wasn't like oh. this with you. It's beautiful. Anyway, um, yeah. So. And it was just so different to have a partner. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. My husband is, he's a very typical guy. So not super emotional, but he has been there, like, in every emotion with me. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just been so special. So, anyway, so we, you know, we didn't take a birthing class per se, but... We had a woman, like a doula, come to our place. She was amazing and (coughs) did a class. She did a class in our home with us, um, a whole day class, and it was great. And that's kind of it. And it was kind of a little on the earlier end. So by the time I was actually in labor, Seth could not remember a thing. And he was so (laughs) confused. And he's like, we're texting Laura and calling Laura. We're like, how far apart? What should be happening? Like... Anyway, it was she doesn't know anything about it, so you shouldn't have texted someone different. Yeah. Well, so yeah, and I just the whole process, baby showers, building, you know, the excitement, the anticipation of knowing that I was going to have a baby and bring it home was I just it didn't feel real until mm-hmm. it happened. But yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, um as your friend walking it with you, I think you had at first said like, "Okay, well, I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to I am going to have it at Kaiser because that's my insurance and I'm going to get an epidural because I'm not doing that. And I remember how painful totally. it was. I remember how horrible it was and I don't want to do that again. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, and, but you're also like, you're going to be there. So you better get ready. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And, you know, I think you had, you, I mean, maybe this is, I don't think I'm overstepping because I'm your friend and because you said it, but you can say it. You controlled the situation. You thought, okay, I'm pregnant. I remember what that was like giving birth. I don't want to do that again. This is who I want there. This is who I don't want there. This is what. This mm-hmm. is the plan. So you basically brought it to me and said, this is what I'm doing. Then, I don't know, some act of God or <laughs> change of heart. Honestly, You, you invited was, this friend to your house yes. and everything changed. Well, you know, <laughs> I think you know, I think a lot of it was Seth, too. Like, just we watched the business of being born, which, you know, has its 
filter and its perspective. But a lot of what I took away from that is just that your body was made to do this. Yeah. Your body's made to do it. And, um, and that I'm a strong person. Like, I already know I'm a strong person. And yeah. I can do it. And I, that's no judgment on people that choose the opposite route. And I have many friends who have. And, and I just wanted to try. Yeah. And I, I feel like I, you know, when I came to you and said that, I feel like you laughed at me a little bit. Totally. Uh, she, you know, Full Laura, disclosure. Laura I was like, uh, She's okay. Like, <laughs> 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 um, I just wanted it to be different. And I feel like the first birth, while painful, the word I would use to describe that experience was just numbing. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted this one to be like electric or like life-giving or present yeah Yeah. so yeah yeah no a full disclosure i was like what because you kind of do this thing (laughs) when you're like the birth person where you're like your friends kind of size you up and they text you all the time about their mucus and no it's not bad but you kind of do this thing where you're like okay well you know this person's gonna have this kind of birth this because that's what they want i'm not saying i'm telling people what kind of birth they're gonna have but you do a thing where you kind of prepare for it and then you were like okay well i'm gonna do this this way and I was like okay well that, you know, that's fine and I'll totally be there and that's great I and would then like to add too though that I have Kaiser and I was very apprehensive about it but I went to a midwife her name is her name is Chris Ann Beard she's gonna listen to this so I'm gonna send it to her <laughs> and she totally helped me too mm-hmm. like she was just so chill she lives in southeast too she's just <laughs> down the street anyway I just between you Laura and Chris Ann and Seth I just changed my mind <laughs> No, I and I, I, and I think I that was it. really the best way. I was just kind of like, you know, I I was like, okay, well, you're going to prepare? Like, because <laughs> you know, no, that's what I will say. And we've said that on the show. Is that, you know, there are, there are a lot of things in life you need to prepare for. Having babies is definitely one of them, especially if you want to try to do it without yeah. medication. And so I think, you know, you took that time to kind of search yourself. And you also just said what you said when you were just like, I'm going to try. And I think that was just such a great perspective for you to have i think one thing that you said though to me in that is you can't just say you're going to try like because you can kind of that's i don't know i just feel like you can easily change your mind i don't know that if you're not and maybe it's just having the right people in place to help you remember Mm -hmm. that you want to do this like this is what you want and like you were that for me. And I mean, so, and sometimes it's just about identifying why you want totally. something. Mm-hmm. Because if if you if you're just doing it because you watch the business of being born, yeah, you know, or because <laughs> it, someone else has an expectation mm-hmm. of you to do it a certain way, or because you're worried about what people will think of you, or any of those things, then those are all kind of fleeting and unsustainable. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it just takes identifying, like, why do I want this? Like, why would this? Why would this contribute to this being a meaningful yeah. life-giving experience? Yeah, and I just wanted to feel it all, which sounds yeah. weird, but yeah. So I went into it just wanting no intervention or minimal. I mean, unless yeah. I had to. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So I, I – do I just – Share the I don't know. Yeah, just yeah. Well, so then you know, from my, pers- my perspective, it was kind of like everything you've shared, and then you made a plan. And the plan was, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this with an, without medication, and you know, you talked with Chris about it. We talked about it a couple times. I and- wasn't even ever checked. Like literally, no intervention. Mm-hmm. I had nothing. <laughs> yeah. Then- <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I went into labor naturally at home, and it was very weird because I worked. So it was I, I'm a nanny, and I was a very full time nanny before I had my uh, son and I did the, you know, I had an August baby. So I did the whole summer with the kids waddling around, but I never took a sick day. I just plowed through Mm -hmm. and it was like, I reached that Friday and I said goodbye to the boys. And I was a little bit early. I had them two weeks or a week and a half early. And I said, when I went, got home to Seth, I said, I'm having this baby this weekend. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And so, yeah, we woke up Saturday morning. We went and had brunch. And I told the guy who was, you know, serving us, I was like, I'm going to have my bait. I'm going to go in labor today. Like, I'm just getting all my – I was getting my carbs. Let me just say this. I was in no way in labor yet. Like, I mean, nothing was happening. Seth was, just kept laughing at me. I was like, I'm going to go to labor today. And I kid you not, we went home. I laid down for a nap. And woke up with contractions, and 
I just think it was a kiss from the king, just a blessing from the savior that nothing, <laughs> like it was literally organic labor yeah. from nothing. Anyway. There you go. So I called Laura. Because, of course, I'm like, is this? <laughs> and you've spoken into being, so now you have to check. <laughs> yeah. And she's, like, on this hike with her <laughs> with her honey. And, like, she's, okay, well, I don't think this is it. Just, just, you know, keep track and let me know. And I can hear her, like, I can hear her voice on the other end that is so patronizing. And I was like, all right, I'm going to have my baby this weekend. And I, <laughs> and I hung up. <laughs> and, you know, Seth is, you know, just chilling. I'm like, I'm going to just go take another nap i guess rest up because i'm gonna have this baby took another nap woke up and all this to be said i just went into labor very naturally at home labored for a while Mm -hmm. and then finally seth is like we should really time these because i'm really feeling like this is something now he's like i remember them telling me something he's like like, is it 511 or 311 like what's the deal (laughs) so oh also this is weird too my dog, like, knew. She knew. It was so freaky. So, side note, if you have a pet, they might know. <laughs> the night before, she was, like, just, like, putting, like, laying on me, basically. Just, like, she just, it was weird. Anyway, so we're walking the halls of our apart- my apartment, letting things happen, and finally starts timing them, and they're, like, two minutes apart. Like, so, and Laura's like, you gotta go. And I was like, <laughs> okay, so... But I had really wanted to labor at home as long as possible because of my first birth where I was sent home. And there is nothing more discouraging when you feel your body is in labor to be sent home. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't want that again. And nothing in a lot of cases more disruptive to labor than going back and forth and back and forth. And to get checked constantly. And like, it was just so stressful. Anyway, so we get there and I'm kind of laughing. I was real, I'm, you know, I don't know, just a little goofy. And so the late, I'm like, I get to the front to check in. I was like, I'm going to have my baby today. And she's like, are you in labor? And I was like, mm-hmm. And so they brought me in. I just walked in. I know this all sounds really weird, but I do just really feel like a huge piece of it is this redemptive piece of, like, I just had this gift of a birth. And so we go in. They check me. And they, they're just like, There's, well, we just really don't think you're in labor yet. I think they base it off of, like, my demeanor. 100%. I just, we were just real goofy. Seth and I were real goofy. So <laughs> anyway, she checks me. The first time I had been checked at all. Like, I don't even know leading up to that if I, yeah, when I had started. And I am so thankful because you can be dilated to a two for like weeks. And I think that would have driven me nuts to know that yeah. and to not. So for me, that was key just to let it happen. So they checked me and I was at a six and I'm like. Laura, you better come home from your hike. But actually, before I did that, <laughs> she did say, oh, my, like, this, okay. So my midwife, Chris Ann, was out of town, and I told her when she went on her trip, like, she was coming back. She would have been home over my due date. But I told her, I was like, you're going to miss it because I'm going to have my baby. While you're, you on know. Saturday is the plan. <laughs> anyway, he was born on Sunday. But um, so I had this, you know, a midwife I didn't know. She was the sweetest. Anyway, she comes over, gives me a big hug, and it's just like, you're going to have your baby. And in that moment, I know I'd been so goofy up to that point, but I just switched. wept, just wept. And I just looked at Seth, and I was like, oh, my gosh, am I ready? Like, are we ready? And we were ready. And we went, you know, we went in. Laura, what time did you get there? I don't remember. It, was, it wasn't that long. You hadn't been in the room very long. Yeah, I think we checked in at, like, 8. We were in our room by 9. I think I got there right after 9 then. Yeah, so like 9.30, they have a tub room. You can, you're not allowed to deliver your baby in a tub at Kaiser. Boo. So, <laughs> But you can labor as long as you want. So we, You can accidentally have your baby so in the tub. we waddle down to the tub room, and I got in. I don't know. Yeah. I, we, I, it was, so it was really just Lara, myself, and my husband – my parents had left for the coast, which I told them not to because I knew I was going to have my baby. And anyway, they turned right around and came back. And however, one thing that was different about this birth was I had originally decided not to have my mom in the room, which I think, I mean, love her to death, but it just would have been too many. So 
She's waiting outside the door with bated breath, basically. <laughs> with a cup uh, to the door. Totally. Yeah, she was at um, the hospital. So we labored in the tub. It was just very calm. Like, I don't I don't know what you would say about it. but No, I, it would, just, say, I would say the same thing. And I think, you know... We you know we talk about this on the podcast. I'm I'm a labor and delivery nurse, and people come in, they're smiling and laughing, and you're like, yeah, right. So I can I can well, relate I think- to them, but I think it was just because you were you were so calm, you were so assured of yourself, and you you know just like most women, when contractions would come, you lost yourself in the contraction, and went away. You were so peaceful and so relaxed. I think Seth was just waiting for me to start screaming, right? And it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. So labored in the tub. So. Got out after a little bit. They asked if I wanted to have my water broken. Um, I said no. I don't know. I just wanted it to be what it was. And they did tell me I couldn't get back in the tub, though, because we can't have babies in the tub. But uh, so I caught on a birthing ball. For like 30 seconds. For 30 seconds. And then my (laughs) water broke. And they're like, you got to get up on the bed. And I was like, okay. And this primal instinct i'm like up on all fours like it was crazy i mean how many pushes a handful like a, like eight it was crazy and she told me not to you know to slow down or whatever it was just so calm side note in the final moments i did decide to let my mom in oh yeah <laughs> so i'm like laura you should go get my mom Aww. so she ran down the hall as i'm like He's about to crown. It was crazy. Mom comes running in. Uh, Yeah. Then he was there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And just being a person in that room, I, I, you know, it was something, you know, obviously you had shared with your midwife about your birth with Levi. Mm -hmm. And it was something I'm sure was in your chart and something you'd shared with the nurse. And I'm sure the midwife knew because, you know, yeah. it's a good thing to know. And it's, you know, like you said, it's for you, it was a past birth trauma. So people should know that mm-hmm. who are taking care of you. And I just looked up and the sweet midwife lady is crying. And I look over and the nurse is crying and I'm crying and your mom is crying and Seth is crying and Beck is crying and the baby's crying. <laughs> and I was just like, it was, it was like a palpable moment. It was a it's moment for to, everyone. Yeah. And I think that she that, texted me like, Whatever time that was, that was the middle of the night. And yeah, he was born just he, after like twelve thirty. Yeah, he, she texted me immediately to be like, mm. "It, yeah, it was a very, very powerful moment." It was just more than it was more than I could have asked for because I got the baby. So that's like to me that was the win. <laughs> but to have the process be a win mm-hmm. was unreal. Yeah. And you know, my I think one of my favorite parts of the whole thing was just he's laying on my chest you know, kind of crying or whatever, you know, as they kind of are just coming out, (laughs) the bright world. And Seth, you know, my husband came over my shoulder and said, it's nice to meet you, Jones. And he lifted his head and craned his neck toward the sound of Seth's Mm. voice. And it was like all the waterworks again. Mm -hmm. But it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And just to have just a healthy, I have so many friends who, have sick babies and I just every day look at this baby that I didn't know I was gonna have and ever would have dreamed of and I mean who's to say what's to come but and even if I never have another baby to have this gift of a replacing experience to replace what was so grievous Mm -hmm. I don't know it's beautiful yeah it really is so yeah, and for you to be able to experience it that way instead of as, you know, as compounding trauma, yeah, is incredible. I know. <laughs> Has have Levi and Jones met? They have. They have. Yes. What and was that like? Oh, magical. I don't know. It's yeah. just it's just to see this son that I've loved for so many years in such a unique way. Mm-hmm. Me And, you know, it's so interesting to me how he has identified so deeply. And I think it's common for adoptive kids to identify with a blood sibling. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something to that. And um, he calls him his brother. Like, it's... Yeah. And he has... Yeah. He has one other sibling. He actually... So, so miracle of miracles. So, you had the older sibling. They're 11 months apart. Irish twins. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, she was able to breastfeed him. Hello. Hello. So precious. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And then she actually had two more. 
So, but through, you know, the course of his life has, you know, changed. His parents are not together anymore and they both remarried. So he has step siblings and just a very interesting family dynamic. And I Mm -hmm. would say that being a teenager and in that situation, he has very much identified deeply with this little half sibling that Mm -hmm. is his blood sibling and and not not in a threatening way to his parents. Like I would never, but only in a, only in a way that I think is going to help him. Mm-hmm. Um, know where he comes from and have some and all these people who love him and Jones is just going to grow up knowing him like who would like That's I would have never imagined as that teenage frightened girl making that choice that this is this would be what it has evolved into but mm-hmm. man yeah yeah it's a special story thank you for letting me share it yeah oh my gosh thank you I do think sometimes when I think about your story even before Jones, but now that Jones is here, I think even more just kind of what Melissa was saying early, you know, it's a special circumstance. It's all these things, but it is just so much of who you are. And it was definitely what made us close, I think, in those early years. And I think, you know, to anyone who is listening to this or has people in their life who've gone through loss and birth or adoption or those things, you know, that that is key like Emily said you have to have the space to process you have mm-hmm. to have the capacity to process it just takes time and you have to have the community and yeah, I think the support mm-hmm. you know for yeah. people who are looking for ways to get involved in communities of people who need things and are passionate about these sort of things I think that's a good place um, to help people support birth that may have different outcomes and yeah. you know I think about that for you you have your family and your family didn't like you said, they stayed with you. They didn't just stay with yeah. me. They they carried they me. They carried you. Yeah. Mm. And that's really, really amazing. They're amazing people. And they've carried me at times too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's so beautiful. Yes. I obviously know many of the bits and pieces of it, but this is my first time getting to hear the whole thing from start to finish. So, yeah, it's very beautiful. Is there anything you'd want to say about anything about birth or motherhood to the listeners? One of the things that we explore on the show is just the idea that, you know, mothers are born mm-hmm. as well. And and kind of the the idea as well that there isn't necessarily this certain specific or even, you know, physiological moment where motherhood is, you know, thrust upon you automatically and some women experience you know the the feeling of being a mother from the moment they first give birth Mm -hmm. some women never have babies and they mother everyone around them Mm -hmm. then there are women who who were mothers from the time they were you know little girls like it there's just so many different different ways that 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 sort of mother spirit is born and so it's always it's always kind of interesting to ask people you know, what that looks like for them. And in your unique situation, from what you've described, it sounds like you felt like a mother from the time you were first pregnant with mm-hmm. Levi. Um, but if you want to just kind of elaborate on that. Yeah. Um, I think Laura mentioned this earlier, but I'm, I'm definitely a person that loves children. I mean, mm-hmm. even, even doing a lot of nanny work, it's not because I don't want to do it. I mean, it's not because I couldn't do other things, but I genuinely love children. And so I think that with Levi, when I had him, it definitely, you know, I mean, even like I said earlier, like when I knew he was there, I was his Mm -hmm. mother, like, and I had a choice to make of who would, you know, be his active mother. And I wasn't ready. But in my but but I've carried that um, weight of motherhood, and not really had a way to channel it. Mm-hmm. And so, poor Jones, he's got <laughs> years and years of no. But I, I, you know, I think I found different ways. I've loved many people's children for yeah. many years. Um, but yeah, to to be a mother in loss is um you still feel like a mother mm-hmm. even when that child's not there so you still yeah. are a mother yeah exactly so i think i mean i wrote a paper that was very healing for me when i was in college and it, the title of it was 
I am a mother. Mm. And I just learning what that looked like. And it's changed over the years, but has been a huge part of who I am. So, yeah. And now I get to be a tangible mother to a child. And it's the most, I just think it's my life's calling. I don't Mm -hmm. know. So. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. (laughs) We have loved having Becca on the show today especially for Laura. And and it's fun always to hear stories where she's been able to participate in the birth. So she's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I always look at her and I say, you pulled that baby right out of my vagina. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she does. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, Becca. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth and being a part of this community. We'd love for you to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to rate us in iTunes, which helps other listeners find us. We'd also love to hear from you at motherbirth.co if you have any ideas for topics for us to cover or if you'd like to be on the show. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Birth is a personal podcast created by Laura and Melissa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care if you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.